Okay, so I've got a variety of calls from different people here in this episode. We'll just kind of uh, go through most of them about the uh, the funnel uh, where I was talking about funnels and had a little back and forth with Andy Goodman from uh, Exhibition to the Grizzly Peaks and Grizzly Peaks Radio where I get all my finest podcasts, audio play podcasts. Oh, man, Andy's not going to give me the, the money for, for pitching him if I don't say it right. Oh, well, anyways, here's uh, Taylor from Clerics Wearing Mail. Woo! Can't spell funnel without fun. It's not OSR if you live through the adventure. Rock on. Hold on though. If I can't live through an adventure, how can I get high enough level to complain about level caps? Got a couple of calls here from uh, Minyan, also known as Rob from uh, Confessions of a Wee Timorous Bushi, uh, talking about my idea of using just the basic chainmail game itself as the funnel, and then. Moving on to OD&D with Chainmail. Hey Daniel, this is Manion, also known as Rob Quillian. Uh, I like the idea of using the basic Chainmail rules as a funnel. Um, one thing you could do to get over that, well there's a couple of things you could do to get over the the issue of having everybody as a, you know, this uh, normal human a fighting unit, regardless of what they become at a higher level. Uh, one way you could do it is to to roll, I guess you roll backgrounds like you do in DCC. So you have um, perhaps a more limited pared down version of backgrounds and have people who are maybe related to temple or clerical work, people who are related to magical work, you know, maybe a magician's apprentice and people who, um, you know, have served in the militia. Then it's just the case of rolling on the table, yeah, determining each one of your units, each one of your uh, characters' background, and playing them, you know, appropriately if they survive. I'm not sure if that's very good. Maybe a better way of doing it is to, you know, retrofit everything. So you just, you, you know, you play the game through. Don't worry about who can wear what kind of armor or people's backgrounds as you intend to do I guess because it's supposed to be a background in itself and if they survive to first level and the character chooses to become a mage a magician then you can you know create the uh, story that they were in fact an apprentice and, and sort of do that all uh, yeah sort of retrofit it so I was just thinking you know just use the chainmail rule straight and then, as you said that, you know, the idea of picking a background or whatever and then relate, for some reason what popped into my head is what they do in Into the Odd. Uh, I don't know if you've tried that game, but basically you roll, well, it, the way I would do it, essentially you've got a chart, right? So you're going to roll 2d6, uh, one will be the top, one will be the bottom, and then you've got this chart of different options. And what could be cool about that is not only would it be a background, but it could also be the starting equipment, you know? So you could say, like, your background is, you know, the the child of a, a mercenary. So you start with a, a plate armor and a spear. Or your background is you're a street urchin and you start with a dagger and a loincloth. So that could be kind of neat. I think that works better than just straight DCC type backgrounds because I really don't want people starting with like a bag of poop or a rolling pin. That wouldn't really work so well in chainmail. So they should at least start with something that would be equivalent weapon or whatever 
So they're going to have some kind of a background that they've been recruited into this, uh, you know, army to, to make to fight this skirmish or whatever. Anyway, I think that second option is probably the the better one, uh, in that it, you know, it's uh, less work on everybody, and you know we can use our imaginations and make it all work. In hindsight, which is always you know great if you can do things in, with the benefit of hindsight. Um, we had a I don't know if it's a similar idea, but I was thinking, along with, well, I, I exchanged ideas with um, Jason of Nerds RPG Variety Cast. And safer of safer fancy uh, crafting, uh, talking about using first or second edition f- f- uh, Warhammer battle fancy battle rules, just as it is and as a role playing game because there's so much fantastic stuff in there, in those rules. Uh, I think part of the problem there would have been just getting hold of the rules. Is it worth it playing a game that is no longer in print and that costs quite a lot of money? So that sort of turned us off. Anyway, uh, just some thoughts there. Cheers, man. Bye bye. Yeah, I sympathize on <laughs> games that are out of print or, or hard to get, maybe as uh, expensive to get, might be uh, less ideal, even if you want to try them for that system. And I don't think that you're so out of place turning that into a role-playing game. I mean, isn't that what kind of happened with D&D? I know that every time somebody puts out a new book, the history kind of shifts a little bit. You know, <laughs> you know whatever, I'm not going to get into that. But anyways, you know, people, they were war gamers, right? And then they started giving their characters personalities, so... That's basically where RPGs came from. So there's no reason why really any uh, simple uh, war game could become an RPG if you if you like the way it operates and you like the world that it's in or, or whatever. Uh, some more messages from uh, me, Minion, also known as Rob. So I just have to step in here and help uh, interpret for my good friend and uh, compatriot, Andy Goodman. He, he is... Referring there, uh, partly part of the, his comment about not going on holiday by mistake is actually a quote from the film With Nail and I. Um, um, we, yeah, they go on. Yeah, the famous line is, uh, sorry, excuse me, we've gone on holiday by a mistake. Um, it's a bit of a cult movie and uh, a lot of us who like it tend to quote it intensely. Uh, the rest, I don't know. Um, I think... Probably Andy relishes the player's death, um, you know, very slowly now. You know, he he's squeezing out the, the flavor from it. He's enjoying the fear and the tears uh, of his players as their characters slowly die. Yeah, maybe with a nice Chianti. You know, I would say there's probably about 60, maybe 65% of the things that Andy says, I have no idea what he means. So uh, I might need to bring you in more often as an interpreter there. Um, as far as the slow savoring of the death and torture, yeah, I think that sounds about right. That sounds about right. He, you know, Andy's that guy who's like, oh, uh, how many hit points do you have left? Oh, uh, uh, uh hold on. Uh, you know, Andy, just rip that bandaid off. Just kill us already. <laughs> no, I kid, of course. Please don't kill me. I've got a couple calls from Jason from the Nerds RPG Variety Cast coming up, but before I get to those, uh, in tribute to Jason, I will do an unboxing. Okay, we're going to do a quick unboxing here, or un- enveloping, enveloping. So I got this in the mail today from its royal mail, from uh, Mr. James Holloway from the Monster Man podcast fame. This is a uh, from the Zine Quest. It's kind of a brown envelope. Uh, it's maybe two hand width wide. It's like six by nine. 
I don't think it's six by nine because I don't think they use inches over there, but it looks like it's six by nine. So in any case, uh, it's a brown envelope, airmail. And we're gonna just, I don't need any tools to open this, I don't think. It's just a peel open this envelope here. Okay, sliding it out. Looks like there's two things in here. Oh, this is just a piece of uh, like Bristol uh, board paper, I guess, so it doesn't get crinkled. Ah, yes. Pamphlet of Pantheons. A Guide to Creating Fantasy Myths and Religions. James Holloway. So this is, again, from ZineQuest. And this is how we're going to... It basically allows you to set up uh, Pantheons for your campaign. It's got a little... Oh, that's cool. All right, so the, the cover is black and white. Kind of a, yeah, kind of a little glossy. It's a, uh, looks like some kind of a interesting, like, circle and a pool of liquid with uh, something rising out of it and then some hands in the front that are uh, filling out a sheet. So I guess that's the, representing creating the Pantheon. Ooh, on the back, it's got a really cool image of this uh, kind of a, a lady. I think it's a lady, kind of with a big feather hat. I do like feather hats. All right, so let's see if it says where this art came from. I don't see it. But in any case, um, the inside is kind of a off-white color, almost like a newsprint, but not. But it's thicker than that. And we've got uh, various charts that we roll on to create our, our, our pantheon. Arrayer of armies, bestower of plenty, celestial sovereign, divine physician, and uh, a force of nature. Lots of things here. There's 8, 10, 12, 14, 16. So there's 16 different, uh, I guess, categories of the possible uh, gods and goddesses. And we've got our, uh, our little worksheet here in the back. Oh, this is pretty cool. Oh, and then we've got some extra little stuff here. Bestow the crown, minor gods, the many names of gods. Okay, good. We have a... Uh, Name creator, that's always fun. Oh, how the religions are organized, festivals. Well, this is very cool. And there's an example pantheon in the back. And a worksheet kind of showing you how to make the worksheet. So that's pretty cool. Um, the whole thing is uh, 20 pages plus the cover. It is uh, staple bound, which I like. And uh, yeah, it looks really good. There you go. Zine Quest. Mission accomplished. Hey, Daniel, I just listened to your um, funnels duology there, and I agree with you. It, it's not so much even the individual powers, like, oh, I'm sad, I can't turn undead. The problem is, you're, you're, especially with Dungeon Crawl Classics, you're missing out with all the neat bits and bobs in the system. You know, Dungeon Classics, the fun part is to spell funnel table or casting a spell and having crazy things happen because you roll really good. Or, you know, that that's where Dungeon Crawl Classics really shines, is all the funky things that happens when you get criticals and when you get this and that. And you're really not going to get those things happen in the funnel. So, you know, I mean, it's it's not so much not even playing the classes as not being able to fully engage the system. So I agree with you 100%. And, yeah, I think Andy needs to play more. I, I, I think that's the answer. Hey Daniel, Jason here. Not sure what exactly I said on the message that disappeared. I think I said that the student is now the master and you've surpassed me in 
unboxings, you did a better job than I usually do. The truth is, if something's in cellophane, often I won't even open the cellophane. So it shows how bad of an unboxer I am. I'll, I'll try to start doing that from, in the future. Maybe I'll incorporate smell as you've done. But I don't know if I'm ready to move on to cubits. And, um, yeah, like you, I like BX just to be BX. Um, I, if I want to use AD&D kind of stuff, I'll play AD&D. But I can see where somebody that has never played AD&D or BX and is introduced though as see, I can see why they would want to just add the advanced classes instead of moving to, you know, a slightly different rule system. So, take care. That is great praise coming from Jason. I, uh, I'm not sure if I've really exceeded uh, his level. I, I, I listened to his unboxings with a, with a trained ear, looking for any special uh, things I could add to mine, just emulating the master. Hey, Dan, you also managed to catch your talk with um, Todd from both well, Todd, where you guys were talking about Mega Dungeons and, you know, the two-hour where your camera kept overheating at the end. And I love, love, love the idea of undead he was talking about, where if they're not destroyed by a cleric, you know, they'll linger. And, and even if you destroy their bodies, and they'll linger as evil spirits. Um, I, I think there's a, a lot there that could... You know, there, there's a that's a great idea, and it could really work into a neat campaign world. I don't know if I do it in every single campaign I ever ran, but I think if you're running a campaign, incorporated that in there, that'd be a nice twist and something different. That'd be really, really cool. So, lots of great content in that um, talk you had with him on the Meg, Mega Dungeons. Talk to you later. Thanks, Jason. Um, he's referring to a live stream I did on my YouTube channel. If you guys are interested interested in checking that out uh and todd is todd from hexed press he's also got a youtube channel he does have a podcast but it is not an anchor podcast so you can't find him on anchor but you can on other places uh and i actually think he's if you like the podcast format better he actually did an audio recording of our chat so um you can find it on his podcast it should be under hexed press uh i will try to put a link here but i'm terrible at linking so um, yeah, I will do my best. Hey, Daniel, it's Kevin calling in from the Red Caps podcast. Just wanted to first thank you for the amount of content you've been putting out recently. It's amazing, uh, both on the YouTube channel here and on the podcast. Uh, loving all of it. I think it's fantastic. Keep up the great work. Um, recently was listening to that uh, Everything is Nothing um, episode that you had. And one thing that came to mind is how often I really enjoy being the DM in a group of players who are who are also normally DMs for almost precisely the reason that you were mentioning that the DMs it's usually one of two camps and the the better camp is what I'm going to describe usually the DMs will understand the whole sharing the spotlight and providing prompts for the other players in the game and they're all there to to elevate each other um, so it's it's great I love it um, I think that's fantastic quality if you're doing that as a player as well and anyway just want to say keep up the great work take care that was uh, Kevin from the Red Caps podcast. Well, thanks so much. Uh, I appreciate it. Um, yeah, actually, it's funny you say that. Uh, they just bring it up now again. Is I was just playing a couple weeks ago. And I've been running this game on Twitch, where, and I would always have I always have one new player, 
And it really makes me uh, happy that my regular players, when they see this new player, they are great at just giving that new player who doesn't really know when to jump in, like prompts and time. And, you know, they, they'll, they'll do their thing and then they'll say, and uh, what do you think, blah, blah. And they'll just like immediately engage that new player so the new player can kind of understand that this is a role-playing game, right? And they're not just waiting for people to do things. So, yeah, I mean, you can't beat players like that. And I love to just sit there and watch them, to be honest with you. I mean, it, it makes me happy as a DM to not be talking and letting the players fill up the world with what they say. Unless they say that they found a whole bunch of magic items that I didn't allow. That's just cheating. Daniel, this is Evil Jeff from Minions Musings. Just picked up your podcast. We've been going through the back catalog. Got to the narrative combat. And Rob C. makes a comment about constitution bonuses and you responded to it but i wanted to pick up right there um you know because of the abstract way we were talking about using the chainmail rules and all the other things like that what if that constitution bonus could be like a way to help shrug off a massive hit you know that that last gasp or maybe an extra power surge or something you might have already thought of that but just wanted to throw that out there and keep going through the back catalog and catch up later that was evil jeff from minions and musings great podcast uh he's currently going through the uh bx companion doing a deep dive so i recommend checking that out i'm really enjoying it um yeah that's a great idea you know uh Instead of having a fixed bonus, I can't remember exactly what Rob said. So instead of having a fixed bonus, uh, since you don't use hit points in this system, like because you have a high con, having it be something like somebody with the con bonus can can take that extra hit before they die. That one extra, uh, it would be equivalent of kind of giving them one more hit die in, in fantasy combat, I guess. Or I mean, you don't have to do it that way, but just when you hit, they hit they hit zero, they can keep going or something like that. I like that. That's a good option uh, possibility. I, being OD&D 3D6 straight down the line, I don't think I've had a character with a con bonus in a long time, but hey, you know what? You could also do it to somebody who has a con penalty, right? That uh, if, if the last hit against them counts as two hits if you really want to, uh, you know, play both sides of it. Okay, thanks so much, everybody, for calling in. I'm, uh, <laughs> I've been very bad at catching up with the calls, and uh, now I'm finally caught up as I, as I say this. Although, who knows, somebody could be calling right now, and I love that. So keep on calling if you've got uh, questions or thoughts or concerns or, you know, anything like that. Go ahead and, and call in. Cause it's so great. It gives me content, to t- things to talk about. Um, but if I missed your call somehow, I apologize. I'm pretty sure I got them all. I have to figure out a better system of doing this. And until next time, I'll see you. <laughs>